0: Welcome to Oncology Data Advisor. I'm Kira Smith. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Mark Chris, who is the William and Joy Romaine Chair in Thoracic Oncology at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Today, Dr. Chris will be sharing the updates that have occurred in metastatic squamous non-small cell lung cancer treatment during this past year. Dr. Chris, thanks so much for being here today. Hello, um, I'm Mark Chris. I'm a uh, thoracic medical oncologist, and I work at um, Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center here in in New York. Uh, And I'd like to uh, update and uh, refresh uh, some thoughts about uh, the treatment of uh, squamous cell lung cancers in in 2023. Squamous lung cancers are uh, approximately 20% of uh, patients with uh, non-small cell lung cancer. Uh, It's the the biggest group of patients uh, other than the uh, adenocarcinomas. Um, I I think where the diagnosis of lung cancer is moving now is that whenever you have a suspected uh, case of lung cancer and you order a biopsy, you uh, need to make absolutely sure that sufficient tissue is obtained, not just to diagnose cancer or diagnose lung cancer, but to allow a complete morphologic examination. Uh, And that would include immunohistochemistry tests for a P40 or or P60. These are, uh, measures for squamous cancer. Generally, tests would also be done to uh, rule out adenocarcinoma, uh, things like Napsin or TTF-1. Um, then you need uh, sufficient material to do some uh, immunohistochemistry test, and the one that really needs to be done on every suspected lung cancer would be PDL1. Uh, and lastly, uh, you need to do molecular tests. And why do you need to do that? Um, even though we don't have a targeted therapy for squamous cell c- cancers, there are some rare cases where you can find a target, uh, and EGFR has probably been, been the one that's most explored. You can't find a target there. Um, but importantly, you're now, you know, required to, to tell people, uh, you don't have, uh, ALK or EGFR, uh, by people, I mean the, um, uh, Approvals of the payers uh, to get uh, checkpoint inhibitors, which would be a standard of care for our patients with squamous cancers. So I think it's pretty important to make sure sufficient tissue is there for molecular. And I would urge you to please work with the uh, partners that you have that do the biopsies to get sufficient tissue and to order the comprehensive testing for morphology, for IHC, and for NGS, regardless. Don't you can't wait until the pathology, morphology pathology is available. You need to get sufficient tissue and get these, these tests underway because you get some information. Um, once you, you know a patient has squamous cancer, again, the, um, the standard paradigms are, are about the, the same. Uh, for non-metastatic patients, you need to make sure that there's a role for surgery or not. Uh, For patients that are non-metastatic, if they are not candidates for surgery, either because of fitness or because of resectability, you need to consider concurrent chemotherapy and radiation. Uh, And in so doing, give uh, drugs appropriate for squamous cancers, and that would either be a taxane or gemcitabine with cis or carboplatin. Uh, And uh, to be followed by uh, a year of uh, dervalumab in these patients that don't have drivers that have squamous cancer. For people that have metastatic disease, um, you know, the standards of care would be combination of chemotherapy and a checkpoint inhibitor. Uh, We now have more uh, checkpoint inhibitors uh, available. And, and again, it's just very interesting in the, in the last checkpoint inhibitor uh, approved for lung cancer, uh, there's a requirement now to make sure that the patient does not have VGFR, alcor or in this case, ROS1 as well. So you need to do these molecular tests just even to facilitate uh, getting the approval for your patient. But standard of care in 2022 up front would still be um, uh, cisplatin or carboplatin Uh, probably a taxane, gemcitabine could also be used and and an anti-checkpoint inhibitor, unless there's a contraindication to any of those things. Um, What's changed in the last year? Um, One one thing that I think has led to a major change is the consideration for neoadjuvant therapy. Um, uh, In the past, any patient with locally advanced cancer that would be a candidate for uh, surgery operable and resectable, uh, would not necessarily receive neoadjuvant therapy. But there was an approval this year for um, chemotherapy plus nivolumab in patients that are candidates for neoadjuvant therapy that don't have EGFR, that don't have ALK, and our squamous patients would be uh, fall into that group. So I, I, I think the use of neoadjuvant therapy and uh, giving a checkpoint inhibitor in the neoadjuvant Uh, space rather than waiting for adjuvant uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, And I think that's one uh, approval in uh, 2022, uh, now available as a standard of care in 2023, that I think has changed uh, therapy as well. Um, When you look at all the data for squamous cells, uh, just as we talked about a year ago, while there is clear benefit, Combination chemotherapy and a checkpoint inhibitor for patients with metastatic disease, the uh, results in those patients are, are just not quite as uh, good as they are in patients with adenocarcinoma. So we continue to have this, uh, you know, I call it the treatment success gap for patients with squamous cancers. It doesn't mean that they can't benefit, but it does mean that the likelihood of response and, and uh, better outcomes is, is smaller. I think what that does is to push us to look for new therapies for these patients, and there's a lot of research going on uh, for that. Um, But there isn't anything that is uh, on the immediate horizon uh, that would uh, uh, make sense uh, that uh, there would be an availability of another treatment. So I think uh, firsthand, it's uh, uh, chemotherapy plus a checkpoint inhibitor, unless there are contraindications. Then, then also additional chemotherapy if if there were. Disease progression. Um, these patients are candidates for uh, uh, ipilimumab and nivolumab. Uh, I, I'm sorry, yeah, ipilimumab and nivolumab uh, dual checkpoint inhibition too, uh, depending on you know, PDL1 status, depending on TMB status, and, and um, you know that is something to be uh, to be considered. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, number one, if you have the diagnosis of squamous cell. Um, based on a tiny biopsy, you know the recommendation is to still do molecular testing on that because on a tiny biopsy, it's not as certain uh, that it is, is a pure squamous cell. Uh, and um, uh, if it's a tiny biopsy, I think in the NCCM guidelines uh, say this as well, or at least they used to, uh, you should consider doing molecular testing if you, if you have sufficient tissue on a, on a tiny biopsy. The last thing that we've seen, and this is a, uh, an observation that we're still trying to sort out, is that certain patients that have uh, progressive disease, patients with EGFR mutant cancers that receive uh, osimertinib as an initial therapy, when some of them progress, in addition to having uh, transformation to small cell lung cancer, some have had transformation to squamous cell lung cancer. So it's not impossible that a patient with EGFR mutant disease would indeed have squamous cancer. Uh, it's occasion, rarely seen actually at the time of diagnosis, but can occur after treatment with Ocimeridum. Um, uh, I think in those patients where you are um, doing a, another uh, uh, deciding for treatment after progression on, a, on a it, you really need to get tissue to rule out transformation to a small cell or squamous uh, and also to get the most comprehensive molecular testing. So I think to summarize in 2023 with squamous cancer, uh, we have therapies, uh, use multimodality therapy whenever that can be uh, successfully employed uh neoadjuvant therapy is becoming more and more available uh more and more useful and for me it's my preferred treatment uh if you have a patient with locally advanced disease where a chemotherapy or adjuvant immunotherapy is in their future I would give the treatment neoadjuvantly um, look for those um uh, please don't be reluctant to order molecular testing because somebody might have squamous or might have small cell just order it uh, and, and the information, you, you, you may be surprised and have some kind of useful piece of information there or not, but, but to wait until you're sure of the diagnosis and then go back uh, does not do the patient the best service. Uh, and also, you need that information now for insurance approvals, if nothing else. So by all means, please uh, do more and more molecular testing up front and work with your colleagues and make sure that um, they understand how critical it is to have sufficient tissue for all the testing that you need to make the best choices. Lastly, whenever you have an opportunity, if you have a patient with squamous cancer who's fit and of a mind to do a clinical trial, look for the availability of clinical trials in your uh, practice in your city uh, and see if you can connect them, because that's the only way we're going to advance the cure of, of squamous cancers. Great. Thanks so much for sharing all these updates today. Thank you for listening to Oncology Data Advisor. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. In addition to our podcast, the Oncology Data Advisor site features expert perspectives and news stories on the latest in cancer research and treatments, all found at oncdata.com.